What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, recording this on Tuesday, September 20th, just one week away from training camp. It's exciting. We're almost to the point of no more speculating how the season's about to go. We're about to see the action. We're about to see all of our questions about this team start to be answered a little bit, but we're not going to jump the gun in preseason or training camp, but it's just going to be so nice to have basketball back. And I have two of my favorite people to talk Grizzlies basketball with on this show. But before I introduce them, let me tell you how you get in touch with the blog and with the podcast network. So Grizzly Bear Blues is the Memphis Grizzlies blog for SB Nation. You can find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. And Grizzly Bear Blues Live is the flagship podcast for the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network alongside Starting Five, the Core Four Podcast, the Next Gen Podcast, and soon Grizzly Bear Bets. You get that wherever you get your uh, podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Megaphone, iHeartRadio. It's wherever. So you don't want to miss out. We got some exciting stuff this season. And I wouldn't be able to do a lot of this exciting stuff without these two people. So first, I am introducing the assistant to the site manager, Mr. Hustle, Brandon Abraham. Brandon, how's it going, man? Uh, Living the dream, Parker. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I, I love I love to always hear that. Just living the dream. I feel that too, Brandon. <laughs> it's been a while. I know. It's been a minute. And then we also got the stats sensei, the stats sensation, the other associate editor over at Grizzly Bear Blue, Sean Coleman. Sean, how you doing, sir? What's going on, Parker? Brandon, good, good being with y'all. Hope everything's been well and uh, pleasure to, to be talking Grizzlies basketball with y'all again. Yes, sir. And so let's just jump right into it. Um, the, in this training camp in particular, training camp preseason, one thing I'm going to be monitoring very closely is, you know, there's an open ro- rotation spot uh, with Kyle Anderson's departure. Uh, and I mean, the D'Anthony Melton spot, it's a foregone conclusion. It's John Conchar. He's going to be the backup two guard for the Grizzlies. But that backup four or five spot, it's still up for grabs. Uh, and we we won't get into the whole uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. dynamic of this in this podcast because there's so many different ways they can go about it they can they can start Brandon Clark they can just bump Zaire into the rotation and have Dylan Brooks be the de facto four or they could start any of these four guys but let's just jump right into it uh Brandon I'll I'll get to you first so I want to start with I guess the incubant of it all Xavier Tillman you know he started in the postseason for several games filling in for Steven Adams after uh, that mismatch in Minnesota and then with his um, COVID absence as well, uh, had a very big game too. He's shown in his Grizzlies career that he's he can step up in big moments. He did so in his rookie season, but now it's a really big year three. And, you know, there, he has all this competition for playing time and he has to really kind of separate himself. So, Brandon, do you kind of see him as the guy who's going to get that first crack at solidifying this backup forward spot and the 10th spot in the Grizzlies rotation? I mean, I definitely think he has an edge on anyone else on the roster just because of his experience, the the trust that Taylor Jenkins clearly has in him, you know, starting him in playoff games, switching to him, you know, when Steven Adams wasn't playing great against Minnesota. So I I think he has 
a leg up to start the year. Um, it's not really where I would go, you know, depending on how you do the rotations. And again, to your point, like you said earlier, just factoring in a healthy Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, you're pretty much having to play Jaron a lot of minutes because I don't really like the BC Xavier Tillman lineups. Uh, I don't really know how much they played last year since Tillman kind of spent a lot of time on the bench, but two years ago, those lineups, the numbers were surprisingly better than the eye test, but it was just painful watching one of them set screens and the other sit in the corner. Um, so I, I have my reservations, at least offensively, on 10th man Xavier Tillman, but I definitely think, you know, at least from the jump, he has uh, the edge on the other guys just based on his experience and the, the trust that Taylor Jenkins clearly has in him. Yeah, I I totally get that. And we will get to your uh, choice here soon. I know I'm I'm looking at cleaning the glass right now. And Brandon Clark and Gabriel Tillman shared about 190 non-garbage time possessions together. They had a net rating of plus 2.6. So it's shown like, hey, it can outscore opponents, but aesthetically or just kind of the fit is clunky. Because like you said, the, one guy screening and rolling, kind of serving as that like that hub in the center of the offense, and the other one's just sitting in the corner. And both aren't prolific three-point shooters. I think Tillman has upside as a shooter, but you know they they Jenkins always flip flopped who should be the roller, who should be in the corner. It was always Tillman in in the center hub, Clark in the corner. But I digress. Sean, I want to get to you here. What do you, what do you think Xavier Tillman has to show in training camp and in preseason to solidify his spot in the rotation? I mean, I think that you uh, nailed it right there. You know, I wrote a piece uh, back uh, a few. Yeah, probably a month or so ago, you know, where we talked about, you know, what really stands out as being key aspects of the game that are going to earn playing time for these younger front court players, you know, Tillman, Santi, Roddy, Laravia, and two things that I really think stand out, you hit the nail on the head, you know, was the ability to shoot the corner three, because we know Taylor Jenkins loves to put a big in the corner, and especially one that can hit that corner three is an outlet threat to be passed to when we're producing well in the paint. But they've got to be able to make that shot. And the other thing that stands out is, is that what about a defensive playmaker? You know, you're going to be missing that with Kyle Anderson and Jaron Jackson Jr. So I think that one of the things that it comes down to is, is that if, you know, you're, you know, the Grizzlies are wanting to move in a different direction with the new pieces that they've added. But what Melton and Anderson and, and Jaron Jackson Jr. added when they were playing, you know, it was relevant. Defensive playmaking, you know, shooting upside. So I think that that's what stands out. Which of these options can hit the corner three most reliably and which of these options can be a defensive playmaker? I think Tillman can certainly be a defensive playmaker. I don't necessarily know if he has the shooting nor the overall perimeter game to be the actual choice, but to me, that's what makes him stand out. Can he shoot like he did his rookie season plus continue to play good to excellent defense those are the two things that I think put him on the court more often than people think. Yeah, for sure. You know, he he doesn't have that vertical pop when it comes to his uh, rim protection or his ability to catch lobs. Um, I, I want to say I'm looking at cleaning the glass right now. He was in he was in a 32nd percentile in block percentage, but he was also one of the league's best big men in generating steals. Like you said, defensive playmaking and with losing. And I, I know I touch on this in articles or on podcasts about 
what's happening when you're losing Kyle Anderson and Anthony Melton. I promise I don't think it's that big of a deal as I'm like, as I've been saying on posts or on podcasts or anything. But at the same time, you're losing defensive playmaking. Like Sean said, you want defensive playmakers because the Grizzlies, they want cycles. They want to get out and run. And Xavier Tillman can do that, serve as a playmaker. But I think it's really going to tie to kind of that offensive upside because you are losing a little bit of punch with D'Anthony Melton. I think Zaire Williams can fulfill that. But it's clear the Grizzlies wanted a little bit more of a perimeter-oriented forward that can shoot the ball when they're factoring the Kyle Anderson departure. So when it comes to any of these four choices, that's what I think it's going to be. But there's another, and there's another name in here with the Yankees I really want to get to. And I know uh, Brandon has covered him extensively with the Memphis Hustle, uh, really showed some promise with the Hustle, showed some promise in Summer League. And like Sean brings up defensive playmaking, I remember I was – traveling um, from a vacation with my fiance and saw that Santi Aldama had eight stocks. So Brandon bought, help us buy into the Santi sophomore surge. What, what do you think Santi has to do to secure a rotation spot? And kind of, where do you think he kind of stands on this pecking order, this rotation race between him, Tillman and the two rookies, Jake Laravia and David Roddy. You know, he, to me, he's the most interesting player out of this group of four um, and really anyone else who could be the 10th man just because it's hard to know what he really is. Um, it's not a great answer to your question, but he needs to prove that the way he played in the G League can translate to the NBA level. I mean, he was a monster with the hustle. Um in the regular season with the hustle, like when he actually had like extended run with them instead of just like a random game here or there, he averaged 22 and a half points, nearly 10 rebounds, 2.3 assists, and then nearly 1.5 steals and 1.5 blocks. Um, you know, so he was racking up the stocks. Like, I mean, just multiple games where he's double digits and both steals and blocks, uh, you know, scoring within the offense. It's not like one of those, a little bit of what we saw with Josh Jackson a few years ago where he just goes in and shoots it a ton. I mean, he had 17 field goal attempts, shot 50%, but it was all within the flow of the offense, which is what you want to see. Um, the downside with it and what really will hinge on his, you know, ability to take that 10th spot is his three-point shooting. He was streaky at the G League level. Uh, shot a hair under 28%, um, 21 of 77 overall. Um, and we've seen at the NBA level, he has not shot the three ball well. So kind of ultimately, to me, it comes down to the, a lot of the little things. You know, he he's not as good of a defender. He's more of a defender. Like, he's a good defender on paper when you look at the stocks. But, you know, he'll get beaten one-on-one situations. He's not super strong. Sometimes he'll be out of position. But he's also good at poking balls loose, getting blocks. Um, but really the key thing to me will be that three-point shooting, like we've touched on, the corner three. Um, but just being able to space the floor, um, especially with that bench unit, is going to be critical. And if he can prove he can be a consistent three-point shooter, I think he has a really good chance to be a dark horse candidate to be the 10th man. 
I agree for sure because one thing that's interesting with Santi Aldama and something to kind of look for when the Grizzlies are potentially looking at finding an opening night starter for Jaron Jackson Jr. is Santi Aldama has the size advantage over these three guys and also Brandon Clark as well. And granted, he's not even going to come close to what Jaron Jackson can provide defensively. But if they can maintain that size advantage and he can space the floor adequately, he he has a very good shot of becoming the 10th guy in the rotation. And I mean, with a three-point shot, I mean, it's only up from here. Last season, he shot six of 48 in his NBA minutes, good for 12.5%. Not so good whatsoever. Not so good whatsoever, but... Like like Brandon said, there's room for improvement. There's room to for for you to kind of buy in into what Santi Aldama can do, but a lot of it will have to come from scaling down. Something I've been trying to monitor since he got drafted, because you know at Loyola he was the guy in Spain. He was uh, MVP for like a U19 Euro League ball or something something along those lines, and and he he's got to get used to you know you're the tenth guy hit open threes. Cut, play hard defense, move the ball, try to scale down in that sense. But Sean, I don't, I don't know if you have any notes or anything or anything to add on Santi Aldama. But uh, I do want to ask you, you know, they're they're rookies. There's Jake Claravia, David Roddy. I want to know which one of those two guys you think has the edge in this race because, you know, everyone knows what both those guys have. Roddy probably outplayed Laravia in summer league, but I kind of want to hear your thoughts on. Where do you think those two guys stand in this race when, um, as we're approaching training camp less than a week away? I, I honestly think that it's Laravia. And, and I do think that it has a little bit to do when you look at the, the investment that, that's there in Laravia. Um, you know, the Grizzlies traded up for him to pick him at 19th. Um, and I think when it comes down to, we talk about Santi Aldama, we talk about David Roddy. I think that they are the type of players that, you know, really could get the most bang for their buck, at least right now playing against other bench units when you've got, you know, the structure a little bit less, when you've got the talent a little bit less, you know, their activity will probably mean a bit more. You know, we talked about it with Aldama. I think the same goes with Roddy. I think they're probably going to get a bit more value in where their games are right now, being able to produce off the bench and, and you know, spurts or limited minutes. I think that's what they're going to excel. I think that the skill set of Laravia translates a bit more to having a role in which he doesn't necessarily have a high usage, but he really plays well within a team concept. I think that he has the highest shooting upside of any of these four that we're talking about, which was, you know, the main thing that Zach Kleiman pointed out. I do think that there's some connector aspects of his game where he can show very good awareness and making right decisions. Is this the best time to take a shot? Is it the best time to make a pass to be able to find the best shot possible? I do think he's a little bit limited defensively, but he can do well in a team concept. So in terms of being, you know, when you look at that 10th spot, you're looking for a player that can probably add value without that high of usage and grow in that role. I think that's what LaRavia can ideally be. And I think that his skill set, especially his shooting upside, I think that he's the one that not only between the two rookies has the upper hand, but I probably would put him as my top guy out of these four. Yeah, I, yeah, I'll, I'll get to my answer with the question of the day, but I think a lot of the stuff you touched on with Laravia was spot on, and it's stuff that Zach Kleiman 
talked about the night where the night they drafted Jake Laravia. He he really harped on the facts like you know combo forwards. He wants guys who can space the floor, and you know not only just amplifying job, but also like if he can share the floor with Jaron and Brandon Clark, and amplify Brandon as a roller. And I do think he's better than what he showed in summer league. Granted, I think one thing to be concerned about to some sort of degree when it comes to summer, summer league performance is that trigger. But I, I think he he's a couple of Taylor Jenkins, uh, let that bleep fly away from really being that connective shooter that the Grizzlies sought with him. Um, and Brandon, what, what do you think David Roddy in particular needs to show or can show um, in this little race to possibly, you know, jump LaRavia and end up uh, becoming a guy who sneaks his way into the rotation? Because, I mean, I, I don't know how much of the national basketball podcast y'all listen to, but Chris Vernon on both the low post and on the mismatch has just been raving about David Roddy and how he's going to be a guy that plays day one. And, you know, Taylor Jenkins said he he is not afraid to play his rookies. So, Brandon, what do you think David Roddy has to show and can show to ultimately win minutes on opening night? Yeah, I mean, he he needs to prove, you know, what kind of three point shooter he is. Um, you know, it's kind of the to me that's ultimately you know like we talked touched on all night is. You know, you're replacing Kyle Anderson, who was really a non-threat from three-point land. But that was a pretty big weakness, especially come playoff time. David Roddy, his freshman year at Colorado State, attempted 77 three-pointers, shot less than 20%. His, last year, he attempted 105, shot nearly 44%. Uh, the his sophomore year, he shot about 28% on same volume from his freshman year. So he's gradually, you know, increased his shooting. But what's he going to be at the NBA level? Is he going to be kind of like Santi Aldama, where, you know, Aldama improved as a shooter throughout college, but then, you know, we just went over his numbers in the NBA level was not good last year. So if, if Roddy can shoot the ball well, you know, I, th- I think he has a really good shot because he has a really good motor. Uh, I mean, he's a fun player. He's really aggressive, you know, just plays his tail off, is really smart. But it's, to me, it's going to come down to, and it's not even just Roddy, it's all four of them. It's going to be the three-point shot. Yeah, I definitely agree. And, you know, that's something where, like, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, have shown promise. I think Tillman in his rookie year especially showed polish and chops shooting the ball. Santi Aldama showed it in summer league. David Roddy showed it last year at Colorado State. Laravia showed it last year at Wake Forest, showed it a little bit in summer league. But I feel like a lot of it will come down to the three-point shot. And that, let, let's go ahead and just kind of take it into to the question of the day of who takes that 10th rotation spot. Uh, thank you for the 70 people that voted on this poll. Um, unfortunately, we didn't have anybody comment for Killian Tilly and Kenneth Lofton. Uh, Brandon, I know you are quite familiar with those two guys in particular. Is there anything you want to add to make their case for, for this spot? No. I mean, Killian Tilly, uh, I, I think there's a good chance by the end of training camp he's not on the roster, um, depending on what the Grizzlies decide to go. But he just kind of – 
the injuries kind of took a toll and then he just kind of got leapfrog. I think with some of these other young guys, um, the back issues he's had are pretty serious. It's you know something to monitor as well. And I mean, Kenneth Lawson's great. He's was an awesome story during summer league, but he's going to need some work, you know, so the people who put too much stock in the summer league are going to want him to play, you know, especially if whoever the 10th guy is kind of struggles out the gate, but he's going to need a year or so in the G league to really get going. Yep. So if if you, if you really want to see Kenneth Lofton junior play transfer that energy over to South Haven at the Lander center, and go watch the Memphis Hustle alongside Brandon Abraham, who will be at pretty much every Hustle game. So, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I I don't really see how they fit into the rotation. Granted, no one secured it. Somebody can come in at a training camp and just wow everyone. It happens. It's the NBA. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to really focus on these four guys, and clearly so did everyone else. So 22.9% of y'all said Xavier Tillman. 25.7% of y'all said Santi Aldama, 27.1% of y'all said Jake LaRavia, and 24.3% of y'all said David Roddy. So I'll get to Sean first. Sean, who did you vote for in in today's question of the day? Uh, it was Jake LaRavia. And, and, and for the reasons uh, that I mentioned, uh, I just, you know, that was one of the things that stood out um, about um, LaRavia, you know, when it came to, the Grizzlies focusing on him. You know, we, we talk a lot about, you know, what is the Grizzlies type of player when they're looking at draft prospects? And Moravia absolutely stood out as the most, you know, the player that aligned the most with what the Grizzlies truly value. And, you know, I think, again, I go back to, you know, the, the fact that he can add value without a lot of usage. Now, I think that, you know, there's a bit of Kyle Anderson to his game. I think Anderson probably, you know, is, is the better player in terms of defensive playmaking, intelligence overall, better defender. I think the Ravia may have more shoot, a bit more shooting upside than Anderson. But the point that I'm getting at is, is that I think Ravia can consistently put himself in the right spot. I think that that's a strength of his game. And so the natural skill may take time to develop, develop, but being able to add value without having a high usage, but also being able to be in the right spot at the right time, I think that stands out about Laravian with the investment the Grizzlies have made in him. I would give give him first crack at not only tenth man in the rotation, but seeing if he could eventually find his role, you know, bigger like we saw much with Zaire William last year. Good answer, good answer, Sean Brandon. Where do you stand on this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I voted Jake Laravia too. Um, I, I just think you know a lot of the things y'all touched on earlier, just his ability. To me, he's kind of the, the best all-around player of the four you know he you know isn't a great defender but I think you know in a team setting he can you know with the way the Grizzlies play defense he can cause issues um you know he's he can be a knockdown shooter he can make the extra pass um all the things y'all said you know is why I voted for him but I also want to touch on you know and it was touched on earlier a little bit what can get him out of the rotation quickly is you know he was pretty timid in summer league you know, and I don't know if that was part of the game plan to let others cook or, you know, if he just was actively doing that. But with John Contra already taking the backup two spot, you can't really have LaRavia be super timid as well because both those guys, you know, Contra improved as a lead net fly guy last year. Both those guys typically are always, you know, catching the ball, making the next pass. 
Um, you need someone to be aggressive. You know, we're, we won't really have too many full, like all bench lineups, but with both those guys, if they're super passive, then you're looking at Tyus, Zaire, and Brandon Clark being, you're really only scoring options off the bench. And it's just going to put a, a bigger strain on the starters to get things going offensively. So I think that's where someone like David Roddy or even Santi Aldama can come in, uh, you know, probably a little bit better at scoring. Uh, so that, I think that's kind of, you know, something to keep an eye on. But ultimately, I think, you know, I'm not going to put too much stock into LaRavia's passive summer league. And I think, you know, he'll be he'll be ready to go come game one. Absolutely. You know, we have a clean sweep. I also voted for Jake LaRavia for a lot of the reasons yeah, y'all outlined. Primarily, it's one of those things, too, where, like, we've seen over the past three seasons that Taylor Jenkins loves playing his rookies. And also, too, he, he always has a rookie as a pretty major contributor. Obviously, John Morant and Brandon Clark in year one. Um, John being named Rookie of the Year. Brandon Clark also being on the all-rookie first team with him. In uh, 2020, it was Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman. Last year, it was Zaire Williams. I think the, tr- the trend continues with uh, Jake LaRavia for, for a lot of the reasons y'all outlined. Uh, I think primarily him as an outs- uh, as an outside shooter. And like you said, Brandon, it, it's really going to be up to Jake, Jake and John Conchard to not have much of a conscience when it comes to just letting it fly. If they're open, they see the daylight, let it fly. and Because that's just going to really amplify the bench. Again, I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of all-bench lineups. I, I might kind of queeze a little bit if we do, especially since you know they have a lot of uh, potent scorers who can create their own shots with John Morant. Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson, all, all one of those four guys should be on the floor at all times, ideally too. But uh, I, I do think LaRavia is the guy to watch here. I will say, I think, I, I think Roddy is kind of sneaky in this because he plays a lot of the brand of the Grizzlies. Like he's tough, he's physical, he gets out in transition, uh, he can create his own shot and pinches. He's he's I I looked at a synergy profile when I was working on my piece for uh, Grizzly Bear Blues uh, this morning. He he's about excellent in every facet of scoring the basketball. Granted, that's at the college level at a mid major level, but who who knows? Maybe the cutting translates. Maybe the transition play, the catch and shoot. Who knows? I I I just kind of lean that they're going to go with a rookie, whether it's Jake Laravia or David Roddy, but. I want to I want to discount Tillman or Aldama, but I I just kind of lean with the rookie. Well, and the thing that I'll add to that, Parker, real quickly is is that the other thing that favors the rookies is is that you know the Grizzlies are are going to go with the rookies. You know they have no problem giving the rookies a significant role moving forward. Now there's less room for that opportunity because so many of the Grizzlies rookies over the past three years under Taylor Jenkins. And in the climate era, have done so well. So, so I agree with that. But to your point, the Grizzlies are not going to shy away from giving a rookie an opportunity, especially for a team that takes clear pride in the type of players that they want to bring in. They're going to give them every shot to make the most of it because they believe that those talents, no matter how younger and experienced they are, are going to help them take a step in the right direction. So I think that that also plays a factor in this. The Grizzlies are one of the best at knowing how to utilize a rookie 
from the start. And so I think that will show through once again. And that does favor the upside of LaRavia and Roddy, perhaps versus, you know, you know what you have in Xavier Tillman. Well, and I think one thing, too, that, you know, we've kind of ignored for the argument of this podcast, but Jaron Jackson Jr. is out to start the year. Um, you know, there's whispers, rumblings that, you know, this injury is different from the others and they're not going to hold them out, you know, as long as they possibly have to. Uh, but we're looking at probably a month or two into the season before Jaron makes his return. So that's going to give really two of these guys the chance to earn that 10th spot because Jaron will be out, um, you know, and it'll give Taylor Jenkins a lot of options of what he wants to do with his lineup and see who plays well with who, you know, so maybe we see both LaRavia and Roddy to start the year. And then once Jaron returns, whoever's played the best, you know, out of that stretch is now the 10th man. You know, so that's kind of the, I guess the elephant in the room with this discussion is, you know, Obviously, you don't want Jaron to be hurt. You need him on the floor as much as possible. But, you know, the Grizzlies always talk about making the most of their opportunity. Well, this is going to be an opportunity depending on, you know, who gets that chance to start. But, you know, we have four guys for the 10th spot. But for at least a month or two, we have two guys for the ninth and 10th spot. And, you know, so we can kind of actually see this play out in real time and real games instead of just kind of behind the scenes practice. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's something to really kind of consider here. And I, I can foresee a scenario where they just say, okay, Taylor Jenkins, like, all right, we're going to just go ahead and start Zaire. We're going to go small, and we're going to play both Roddy and LaRavia off the bench. And like you said, see who can stay in the rotation once Jaron comes back. I can see that. I can also see, I can also see Xavier Tillman playing just because he's been in Taylor Jenkins' system for three years. It's been, it's important to kind of get out to a, a good start, especially in the Western Conference. And yeah, I I've seen from all, all the social media. I don't try to take too much stock in the social media stuff, but Xavier Tillman, it, he really looks like he's put a lot of work in into slimming down and really working on that perimeter aspect of his game and getting that outside shooting there. And I, I can see that. There's just so many different possibilities. And you know what? Like we're saying this, and you know, knocking on wood, like. But we also just know with basketball and with the Grizzlies, like all these guys are going to get their opportunity to play. Nobody, no team in NBA history ever has a absolutely perfect health bill. We will see all these guys have to answer the call at some point. But it's really just going to be a very captivating um, aspect of training camp to watch, especially for a team that doesn't really have a whole lot of like turnover or anything. Like we we didn't see, you know them go out and make a splashy trade or a splashy free agency signing like Dante DiVincenzo and TJ Warren, like everyone wanted them to do. But, you know, like there, there's a very good opportunity for the next great developmental story for the Grizzlies. And it could really start with any of these four guys. So Brandon, Sean, do you all have anything before we uh, close tonight's show? I just need for uh, Taylor Jenkins to, to once and for all prove that he reads and listens to GBV and just within the first three game, first game of the road trip, just bring out the lineup, tie us at the point, and then LaRavia, Roddy, Santi, and Tillman as the four other players on the court and just go with size. Just, just, just feature the size off the bench and let's see how all four of them do on the court at the same time. We might actually see that in preseason. Who knows? That that would be kind of wild. I I my brain might combust from the positionless basketball, but 
Brandon, do you have do you have anything else to add before we close this show? Uh, yeah, the one of the rookies we didn't really touch on tonight, just because he'll spend a lot of time down in South Haven with the hustle, Kennedy Chandler. Uh, keep an eye out how keep an eye out for him this year. He he'll probably spend a lot of time down in South Haven with the hustle. Um, I'm interested to see that how he plays in the preseason, and he'll probably get you know 10 to 15, maybe even 20 games, you know, under his belt depending on how the Taylor Jenkins does his rotation, just because Ja is likely going to miss some games at some point, uh, things like that. Um, I know that the Grizzlies are really high on Kennedy um, at the hustle work tryouts this past weekend. And they're kind of talking to people, you know, Kennedy's doing all the right things. So I think he's kind of, you know, just positionally, he's not really a candidate for the 10th man, but I would not be surprised if he kind of, you know, has people talking about how he should play more by, you know, by Christmas, by New Year's. Yeah, you know, that that's something to really watch for as well when it comes to who gets opportunities to play with Kennedy, with Kennedy Chandler, you know, with the way that, you know, Jaws' health bill has been and the fact that the Grizzlies may not want to play him all 82 games. Though he did – I one thing I, saw, I thought was interesting on the recent Pivot podcast episode – he did say that he's really focused on his body, jaw, um, and um, making sure he's available because the best ability is availability. But also, too, he's like most MVP winners play at least seventy to seventy-five games. And if I want to, if I want to get with that goal, I gotta play. I gotta play that amount of games. But again, another reason to go to to South Haven to watch some hustle games. Support Tennessee Vol legend, Briarcrest Saint legend. Kennedy Chandler and Ken and then also Kenneth Lofton as well. But yeah, not, not going to lie, Brandon. I really thought you were about to say Vince Williams and I, I was about to be like, wow, that is a curveball for the podcast, but yeah, but it's going to be exciting. Excited to have Grizzlies basketball come back up. Uh, make sure you are following Sean on Twitter at stats. says he make sure you are following Brandon on Twitter at BC Abraham. And you can follow me on Twitter. At Paca underscore Flocka. And make sure you are following the blog on Twitter at SPN Grizzlies. Check out all of our work over at grizzlybearblues.com. We are going to be kicking off season preview coverage very, very, very soon. And make sure you are listening and subscribing and downloading every single episode of the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network so you don't miss a single episode of GBB Live, the Starting Pop Podcast, the Core Four Podcast, the Next Gen Podcast, and Grizzly Bear Bets. And with that, we will see you next week. 